All right, all right, take your seats, everyone. This time we're talking about the changes that we want to keep. Take your seat, everyone. Thank you. This is the Change Academy podcast, a show where we explore what it takes to create a healthy mindset, sustainable habits, and to create the life you really want to live. I'm Monica Reinagle. And I am Brock Armstrong. A year ago, <laughs> almost to the day, virtually every aspect of our lives changed profoundly. How we eat, how we shop, how we work, how we socialize, how we exercise, or don't. <laughs> Everything changed. These weren't changes that we chose, but these were changes that were forced on us. But right now, now that we're beginning to start to imagine life maybe someday returning to something more similar to what it was like pre-pandemic, we have some decisions to make. Are there new habits that we've adopted that we might want to keep? Are there some old habits that we don't really want to return to? The one thing that we really need to remember is that we don't want to miss this opportunity to make a conscious choice. Kind of like we talked about last week, actually, with the default mechanisms, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't know about you, Brock, but this conversation is sort of top of mind for everyone I talk to these days. Everybody seems to be kind of in this frame of mind, like, wait a minute, what are we going back to? What are we going forward to? And I know it's certainly something that I've been thinking about in a very personal way about my life. So I'm happy to have this opportunity to talk about it with you and also share it with our larger community. But before we get into the meat of this conversation, we're going to dive into what we're working on or what the audience is working on. And this time we have an email from a listener out there who started the day with six intentions. Do you want to go through those intentions? Yeah, this email came in just a couple of days before we were getting ready to record and it caught my attention immediately. He said, yesterday... As you said, I started my day with six intentions, and he listed them. Number one, don't eat any animal products. Number mm. two, keep added sugar to less than 15 grams. Mm -hmm. Number three, hit golf balls for half an hour after work. <laughs> All right. Number four, do my stretching routine either tonight or at lunchtime. Okay. Number five was do something productive at lunch. Either go to the gym or practice putting. And number six, don't drink alcohol. Okay. And then he finished by saying, at the end of the day, I only met two out of my six intentions. And I was wondering if you have a podcast on how to be more successful following through on good intentions. Okay, I, I got to know, did you find out which two he actually followed through with? I had to know as well. So I emailed him back and I said, hey, I have a lot of ideas. And actually, I think this entire podcast could be seen, like every episode could be seen as an answer to that question, how to be more successful with following through on our good intentions. But tell me two things. Number one, what are the larger objectives that these intentions were tied to? How did they serve something that you value? And of course, I was thinking about the material that we've done on finding a compelling reason and the difference between goals and objectives and all of that kind of thing. So I wanted to know what was behind these intentions. And then, of course, my second question was, which two mm -hmm. <laughs> did, you, yeah. did, you, um, did you meet? And he responded right away. And, and he said that, you know, four of these had to do with just kind of overall health. He said, well, I try not to eat animal products and limit my sugar and just because it's good for me, because it's good for my overall health. And then 
golfing is a passion for me. <laughs> Clearly. It's in two of it's the really places. It's really important so to it's me. It's got to be important. <laughs> and he said, and I remember reading somewhere that every day I don't practice my golf, I am one day further from the best game that I can play or something Whoa. like that. Right. So his whole email changed tone when he talked about golf and how passionate is he, he is about it. So guess which two got done? <laughs> I'm guessing the golf ones. <laughs> right. And, and it's very obvious why. This is really important to him. And you might have looked at those two. Somebody might look at those two on the list and think that those were the kind of frivolous ones. You know, like, okay, <laughs> hit golf balls, practice my putting. But to him, they were the ones that were tied to something that's really important to him that really motivates him. And so it's not at all surprising that those were the two that got done. And I think maybe the reason that the other four didn't is because they were all just a sort of amorphous goal of, well, because it's good for me. Yeah, that good old, I'm going to do this because I want to be healthy, Yeah, quote unquote. Yeah, I think sometimes we have these lists of intentions that have a sort of footnote attached to them. That is like, I'd like to do all of these things providing that it doesn't cause me any major inconvenience or <laughs> require me to make any trade-offs or give up something else that I want. As long as all those conditions are met, I really want to do these things. And of course, that's not how we make progress towards our goals because those very easily get thrown under the bus. Without the the context of having that sort of the the overarching idea of just that he was doing those because he wanted to be healthy, I was anticipating that two of the things on his list were the ones or were among the ones that didn't get done because they were framed in a negative. Ah. And that's not eat animal products and not drink alcohol. Now, our nervous system is really good at completely, well, and parts of our brain too, I shouldn't just blame our nervous system, are really good at dismissing the not parts of the sentences mm. and just seeing eat animal products, drink alcohol. <laughs> so those seeds are now planted in your head that, oh man, a steak would taste good. And you know what goes um. really well with a steak is a beer. So I would say if he wants to be a little more successful with those is to put them into the positive and say, mm -hmm. eat some good vegetables, eat some delicious vegetables, really like really play it up, make it sound really appealing. And like when I want to have a good night's sleep, I don't, I know that not drinking alcohol is one of the, the things that helps me get a good sleep, but I don't say no alcohol, no snacking and all the other things that go into my, my list of things. I just say, get a good night's sleep mm. because that sounds appealing. That sounds like something I want to do. Not drinking alcohol. That's a bummer. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Those are great insights that I didn't think of. Um, again, I had some ideas before I got that bigger context of how these things were tied to what's important to him. I was wondering whether two that didn't get done were the ones that had so much wiggle room that mm. was kind of a do it either at lunchtime or before bed or, or either not. go to the gym <laughs> or right that they were a little vague and a little well, do something productive, maybe this, maybe that. And that kind of has the hallmarks of something that doesn't get done because it's not specific and it's a little hard to tell whether you've done it or not because maybe you're going to do it later or maybe you're going to do something else instead. So that was something that stuck out to me about his list. So there was a lot of interesting stuff to work here. And I gave him some specific episodes of the Change Academy podcast to go back and listen to that I thought might help him make some progress on these. But yeah, the big aha for me was how important it is 
to take our intentions and our goals and tie them to these things that matter so much to us. And then they get done without us really even having to try very hard. And, you know, I, I always feel like we run the risk in a, in a podcast like this and, and even in our other podcasts in the nutrition diva and get fit guy is to constantly just be pointing out like you're doing it wrong. Like there's such a, a pervasive message of in nutrition in self-help in fitness, all these things like of constantly being told you're doing it wrong. And I just want to applaud this particular listener for taking this step to create this list in the first place, because now we have something to work with. Now mm. there's a place to move forward from doing absolutely nothing and not putting together the list is is much much harder to break out of. I was going to say worse, but it's harder to break out of. It's harder to get some results out of than having a, a slightly um, less than desirable list or a list that isn't quite as well thought out as as it might be. This is such a great start. Uh, so I just want to make sure that people aren't thinking that we're like, oh, this is totally wrong. You sucked at this. That's not the case <laughs> at all. It's a, This is a fantastic start. Now let's put some refinements on it so it can really just, just rocket you to success. Yeah, great point. Thanks for remembering to add that. So... Like I said earlier, the rest of the, the episode, we're going to sort of look at all these things that changed in our lives, all these new normals in quotation marks that we've sort of gotten used to over the last year, and whether we want to keep doing them or throw them away or completely reinvent ourselves, which a lot of people actually have. I've heard a lot of really interesting success stories. In fact, um, one of the members of our sailing club in the Waylast program um, posted in our forum talking about exactly this the other day. It was such a coincidence. Well, I just have to say it's not actually a sailing club. <laughs> yes, We don't sail. <laughs> it is our alumni association for the Wayless program. But yes, That's one right. of our... I get caught up in the in our own little colloquialisms. <laughs> right, right. People are imagining us up hauling up sails. Anyway, yeah, Marianne posted very much along the same lines that you and I were talking. She said, as the world slowly starts to reopen, I'm thinking it's going to be a mixed blessing. And she mentioned being out in the world more is going to be more temptations and mm. more overbooked calendars. And she feels like that often leads her to poor choices. But she was just noticing that although she certainly suffered some COVID-related losses, like many others did, that some mm -hmm. good things have come as a result as well. And it's always valuable when we can see those silver linings. And I think you made an interesting point just a minute ago that we've been at this for so long now that it has become a new normal. You know, if this disruption had only lasted a few weeks, it would have been very disruptive, right. a big upheaval the way it was. But if it had been shorter, I think we very quickly would have just kind of snapped back to our previous programming. Um, but because it did go on for so long, we actually have created new patterns, new routines. But I think, you know, we are all looking forward to going to having some things restored to normal. And so it, it might be a slippery slope that we may end up sliding back into patterns that maybe weren't serving us as well. And so mm -hmm. this is really just an opportunity to take a look at some of those and make some more conscious choices. And and just to the point of like some things have really started to be solidified is I've seen a lot of concern out there of people being worried that they won't have those social skills anymore that they once had, mm. like being able to just sit down and have conversations with people in real and not feel awkward and, and stuff. Like we, There are some real anxieties about returning to normal 
And I think doing the kind of exercises we're going to talk about in the next little while and, and really reevaluating things maybe can take some of the anxiety out of it. Just yeah. realizing that not only do we have control over how we re-enter, I'm using a lot of air quotes again. <laughs> <laughs> we, if you could see me, I'm re-entering the world and, and how we actually want to handle that because it, it is a concern for sure. Yeah, I find myself kind of mentally substituting when I find myself thinking, oh, we're going to be going back to normal. I think, well, we're going forward to normal, really. Mm -hmm. And that helps me remind me that I can choose a slightly different normal. Or I may even go back to some old behaviors or some old patterns, but with a different relationship to them. And that can be really significant. Yeah, I guess one last thing before we get into the whole thing, I just... I live in Canada. Monica lives in, in the United States. So we are definitely framing this from a, a northern hemisphere um, mm -hmm. kind of bent. I know Australia has been has had a very different approach to, to this. New Zealand has been relatively unaffected other than travel and stuff. So so please take it as a, this is our perspective, I suppose, from where we live and what we've experienced. Yeah. And we are all on very different time frames Um and when this normal might actually be coming. So that was a whole lot of caveats, and I just have one more, and that is that it doesn't necessarily have to be a pandemic that actually causes these major changes either. There are other things in life that come along and and make these unexpected and, and unwanted, perhaps, changes in our lives, like things like having a baby. I mean, that changes your reality in some really profound ways. Getting laid off from a job, especially a job that you've had for a really long time. A major illness can, can throw you into this kind of a situation as well, whether it's your own illness or a loved one's mm, illness. So, mm -hmm. so I think this, this is a more universal idea. It doesn't have to just be uh, applied to a global pandemic. <laughs> Right. I guess, unlike those situations that you just outlined, which probably befall all of us at some time in our life, we're often going through them more or less alone. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas one of the novel things about this novel coronavirus is that we all went through it together, even though we're on slightly different timelines. And so we have an opportunity to think about it together. But yeah. that's interesting that you mentioned, Brock, that people are feeling a certain social anxiety about returning to more normal social interactions, I definitely noticed a huge impact on our pandemic behaviors on my relationships and the way I communicate with my mm -hmm. friends and family. And some of them have been really positive. There are ways in which I saw more of my friends during the pandemic for a couple of different reasons. We set up regular weekly you know, remote visits, which meant that even friends that used to be in our local circle that have now moved across country were able to to be there with us. And so we kind of reunited. And I guess because our calendars were suddenly empty, we had time to do it. And I mm -hmm. was thinking back, you know, to what it used to be like to try to schedule a coffee date, a dinner date, you know, a, a, a visit with a friend or to get a few friends together. And remember what that was like? It was almost impossible. The more people yeah. you were trying to get together, the harder it was because everybody's calendars were just crazy. And, you know, you'd be looking four or five months out trying to find the one night that all six people were available. And like overnight, nobody had anything on their calendars. And so it was possible to be like, how about Friday? And everybody would be like, yep, see you then, you know. And, what and else so, have I got to do? That became the common refrain. Exactly. Yep. My calendar's free for the next eight months. And so it was, we saw more of people because we were doing 
fewer things. And now I'm kind of wondering, what was I doing instead (laughs) that was so much more important than seeing these friends? And so that regular contact also with friends and family who were far away, you know, you have a different conversation when you're picking up kind of where you left off last week and you're following that thread through people's lives. Then when you see somebody once or twice a year and they're like, so what's new? And you're like, oh God, where do I start? How do I fill you in on all the things that have been going on in my life since the last time I saw you? It almost shuts you down. I don't know if you feel that way too. Whereas if I just talked to you a few days ago, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that. Well, here's what happened next. Yeah, I definitely share your thought of what was I so busy with before? (laughs) Sure, it's easy for us to have these empty calendars now, but it really is. It's kind of like, like I always say for people who tell me they don't have time to exercise, it's like you need to make time to exercise. It's not something that just presents itself. And in the same way, I feel like coming out of this pandemic, I have spent the time making time to to visit with friends and phone my mom more often and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's not so much that all of a sudden we're going to be so busy. And actually, now that I say that, some people have reported being much busier during the pandemic than they were before as well. But somehow we've managed to to make it work. And I really do think it's all about making priorities. And as we talked about in a previous episode, setting up those default mm. mechanisms. You know, you mentioned exercise, and that's an area that I think a lot of people were impacted by. Our member Marianne was saying in her post that uh, she's walking 2,000 extra steps every day because what else do I have to do? (laughs) And she discovered the the whole world of workout videos on YouTube that she's really enjoying. So those were a couple of positive benefits that she experienced. I think I had a little bit more of a mixed experience. So I had belonged to the same gym for 25 years, basically, (laughs) since I graduated from high school, practically. And, uh, right. And, and it was a couple of blocks from my house and it was such an established routine. And that gym shut down in March. And then in May, they closed entirely. They went out of business. That was a local business that did not survive the Uh pandemic. And, but even if they had survived, they still would have been closed in May. And so exercise is really important to me. It's a really regular part of my life. And so I figured out, okay, how am I going to do this at home? You know, what do I need to bring into my house so that I have enough equipment to keep doing this? And I remember we were joking about how much do you tip the FedEx guy that has to deliver your 35-pound kettlebell? Oh, kettlebell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so I got a bunch of equipment and was able to approximate something at home, set aside space in the house And I was thinking, maybe I'll never go back to a gym. I I, I don't need to spend that money. I can do everything right here. Now that we're getting a little closer to the end, I'm of two minds. I mean, yeah, I don't need to be spending that money on monthly dues, but I miss it. Hmm. I don't feel like I have the same relationship to exercise when it's happening in my home. I certainly don't have as much variety when I just have my little limited set of weights and tubes and bands and my body and my piano bench. And, you know, um, it was, there was a lot more to choose from at the gym. And there was definitely just some camaraderie, you know, just being around other people that were exercising and I would learn new things and I would try new things. And I think the other thing that I'm missing is not having that dedicated place where it happens. When it's just happening in my home, it's really easy to hear the the dryer uh, timer go off when I'm in mm. the middle and be like, oh, let me run down and take those out of the dryer, put them into the dryer, whatever it is. 
And so my workouts tend to be shorter and less complete and more scattershot. So I'm really debating about exercise. How has it impacted you? Well, to be honest, I, I've always had a decent amount of equipment at home to be able to do workouts. And although I have belonged to gyms sometimes, mostly it was for access to things that I could, couldn't could possibly have at home, like a pool. Like a pool, yeah. Yeah. So it really wasn't a huge change for me, but I do miss certain things that I know I will never own, not just a pool, but things like a squat rack and stuff like that. Yeah. But I really, yeah, I'm not, I'm not dying to go, go back to a gym, but I am dying to get back into doing some group runs and some group uh, bike rides and stuff and joining up with a, especially because I moved to a new city. So I'm really excited about joining a, a cycling group to learn all the great cycling locations and trails and stuff in the area that I'm not probably not going to find on my own. So there is a, a sort of a similar kind of thing, especially the social aspect of it. But one thing that I noticed that I think is, is kind of, a little bit comical is remember like back at the beginning of the the pandemic there was the toilet paper shortage yeah. of course but there was also a gym equipment shortage like people just snapped up things like peloton bikes and dumbbells and barbells and and things for the same reason that you were saying that they just really wanted to make sure that they had the things around them to be able to continue their their exercise programs but of late if you go to like Facebook Marketplace or somewhere like that and just look for something like, say, a Peloton bike, there are so many of them that people are selling now. Oh, So it is an interesting thing to look at where people invested in these things and, you know, almost a, a panic sort of a, a relationship, not not a well thought out, deliberate kind of thing, but like, oh, I need something to exercise on, buy that. And the yeah. shine is sort of worn off. And yeah, there's a, I think we're going to be able to get some bargain basement prices on some home equipment gear or home fitness gear soon. Well, I hope that the same phenomenon does not affect all of those puppies that got adopted at the beginning of the pandemic, that uh, they somehow no longer fit into people's lifestyles. But uh, but we have been joking because it seemed like every single person in our neighborhood got a puppy um, that first couple of months and that now they've had an, these puppies have lived their entire lives and their new adoptive families with all the kids, all the parents home all the time. Mm-hmm. And someday the time is going to come when parents are going to be going back to work, at least some some days, and kids are going to be going back to school. And those poor puppies, they will never have spent any time alone. It's going to be a huge adjustment. Uh, sometimes I, I feel like I understand where they're coming from because I have always worked at home. And so nobody here with me and I'm used to spending most of my time in the house alone. And now I've had company all year. (laughs) And it's kind of nice to have somebody else in the house with me while I'm working. Marianne mentioned the same thing that she's and her husband are really enjoying each other, because they're now both working from home every day. And I had the same experience. It's like, oh, it's so fun to have somebody to have lunch with. (laughs) So uh, I'm going to be like one of those pandemic puppies when everybody goes back to work. I'll be like, oh, here I am by myself again. Now I'm going to say this carefully because I don't want to paint the wrong picture of my relationship because I am very happy my relationship is very strong but I think one of the reasons that our my relationship with my partner has been so strong is that we really do have a certain amount of our separate lives so when we do have time to spend together we have something to talk about we're excited to mm. see each other and all of that kind of stuff and with the with the pandemic 
I haven't done any travel for for work or otherwise, and that has really been a big part of my life for many years now, um, traveling for work and, and going away for a while. So that meant I had an adventure that I could talk about, and my partner had home alone time to experience being in charge of the house and doing the things that that are important to her. And I think when things open up again, it may actually be a positive for mm. for us in some ways to be able more to, distance. to have that separation, have that that distance. Yeah. And and I don't mean to paint that in a in a in a bad light. I think that really can be an important part of people's people's relationships, whether it's with your your parents, your partner, your kids. Mm. People have experienced this in many, many different ways. And it's not so much the specifics of our experience were really just, or or that we assume that everyone has had the same sorts of experiences. They're really just examples of ways in which our lives were so profoundly affected in ways that were both positive and potentially negative. And navigating this exit strategy requires just kind of some evaluation and some analysis of, well, what about that worked well? What didn't? Why? And that can give us a lot of insight into sort of lifestyle design going forward when the constraints are not being imposed upon us by a global pandemic, but rather ones that we're choosing. It's really just an opportunity for self-awareness and and analysis. Again, caveat heavy episode. <laughs> So I think there are there are a couple of really big things that we haven't talked about yet. And one is shopping and the other one is eating. I wanted to just talk about shopping being something that has really changed in my life. And I think for the better in in some very specific ways. And, and one of the ways that I really want to keep purchasing things is online. And that one thing that I really want to continue purchasing online is food. And the reason is that I have found my grocery buying to be so much more deliberate, so much more curated, so much more uh, healthy and Mm. well thought through and stuff rather than running into the store when you have a minute with a even if you have a list in your hand, it's probably a little incomplete and you're sort of running around just trying to get it done, having the ability to just go online and add stuff to the cart as you run out or as you go, hey, you know what I'd like to make next week is such and such. And you just add it to the list. I find that my meals are just so much more coherent. (laughs) There aren't Mm -hmm. so many random things just thrown together because, well, that's all that's in the in the fridge. Now, when you say that you want to stick with the online shopping for food, are you shopping from sort of national uh, retailers, or are you still shopping from local food vendors? You're just using their online services. Yeah, it's a it's a local, ah. not necessarily a CSA thing, but it, they do purchase like all the meats from some local producers and some local farms and, and things like that. So, so it's not like you're just shipping everything from Amazon. You're still no. shop, supporting your local vendors. No, very. That's a good point. That's uh, and that really is. Another big point, I guess, in this whole category of shopping is I think we all had this notion in the back of our heads that buying local was a good idea. And uh, I think that, at least for for me, went from being this good idea and something I paid lip service to and tried to do as often as possible. But as I saw more and more businesses struggling and going out of mm-hmm. business like like your gym did, it went from being a good idea to a duty. Yeah, 
yeah, if we want to have this little family-run hardware store or this corner market or something, when this is over, we need to keep them going here. It's up to us. Yeah. And in a way that becomes almost self-serving, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're going to support this local business because we want them to be in our community. I think what that really means is that we just became more aware of how interrelated we all are. And we live in such a global virtual community that it's easy to overlook still how very local our lives are and how much we do depend on the well-being of the people who live in our immediate neighborhood and that some of that is up to us. Well, I'm sure we could go on and on with a million other categories. This uh, episode has turned into a little bit more of just a rap session. <laughs> so um, We don't do that very often. So we I don't feel do like it very often. I think people will excuse us a little bit. <laughs> well, I just wish that they were here to rap back, but right. maybe we should see if we can bring this up. And we do have a lab experiment that I hope that you'll find val- valuable. So if you're still with us, we have that for you. There's just one more thing that I think I really feel excited about and I I feel quite passionate that I think some of us have really learned to spend a little more time being bored. Hmm. And by bored, I mean not really doing anything, just being quiet, being alone, and realizing that that isn't such a bad situation to be in, that sometimes not having a full calendar, not having a a big social event to go to, and, and just sitting quietly alone can be really beneficial. And if there's one good thing that came out of this whole thing, everything that we talked about so far, if there's one good thing that that we learned, maybe it is that our own company isn't so bad. Yeah, I think a lot of creativity can be born in boredom. Yeah, and the stillness of your mind, you can make a lot of the changes that we talk about on this Mm. podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so before we get to your lab experiment... Here are some thoughts for you to meditate on while you're being quiet and alone. (laughs) So number one is, for better or worse, the pandemic forced us to reassess and reinvent virtually every aspect of our lives. That's true. Number two, there may be things that we adopted over the last year that actually worked better for us. That's okay. We can hang on to those. Number three, it's worth pausing Before we rush back into our pre-pandemic patterns, take that pause and consider how we might actually want to return, not just defaults we're going to go back to. And number four, no matter what we choose, we are likely to be happier and more fulfilled if we make those choices consciously. That could pretty much be the takeaway for every single episode. (laughs) Absolutely. Make the choice for yourself or somebody else will choose for you. All right. Well, here's the lab experiment that we designed for you today. And this is kind of how I'm approaching my quandary about, do I want to go back to a gym? So you pick your own area, select an area of your life that you were compelled to reinvent because of the pandemic and that you now have an opportunity to either revert to the previous status quo or not. So figure out what you want to focus on and then make a list of all the ways that the change benefited you and all the ways that the change did not benefit you. So basically a list of pros and cons. And then here's the meat of this. Think about those pros and cons in the context of your values. So you may feel like you have an equally sized list of of pros and cons, but some of them 
are going to be more closely tied to things that matter to you and that are important to you. And that's what I want you to really focus on. So is convenience more important to you than consistency, for example, or is quality more important than quantity? Is supporting local business more important than getting the cheapest price? Whatever comes to mind, but take a look at those pros and cons and think about how they connect to your values. And then finally, decide consciously what you'd like to do once your options are open again. Will you go back to your original status quo happily, consciously? Will you maybe stay with your current status quo because it's working better? Or maybe you'll design a third option that's going to work best of all. You know what I just thought of that would be really fun to do is to use our little future me application that we have on the website to send yourself an email, let's say a year from now, with some of these thoughts you've had about how you want to hang on to or change or whatever in your life. And you'll see in a year or two or five or whatever you choose, if you've actually succeeded at at making those changes, that would be a kind of fun way to, to wrap this whole thing up with a nice bow, wouldn't it? That would be great. Yeah. And that is at changeacademypodcast.com slash future me. Right. That's changeacademypodcast.com slash future me. And yeah, you can check in with yourself and and maybe it'll be a, a great reminder that you nailed it, or it might be a reminder that you need to do some uh, choosing again. Either way, I think it's a, a valuable thing. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. And don't forget to go to changeacademypodcast.com slash future me.